Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm your host, at Drew Sample on Twitter. You can follow me. I always like to introduce myself with a at symbol in front of me because that's that's how cool I am, guys. Anyways, I'm really excited. We had a great time listening to uh, this podcast editing. Um, this guest today, full of wisdom and knowledge, um, young, young man, younger than me, he's 29 and uh, already making things happen entrepreneurially, business-wise, um, any, I don't know, I got mad respect for him and I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to say he's my friend and I was able to connect with him through the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Luke talks about a lot of different um, entrepreneurial adventures that he's done. Um, both with with to do with sustainable agriculture and some some fun things that had nothing to do with it. Uh, but Luke and I talk a lot about decentralization on this podcast, so that's been a, a big focus as of late. So and then, but, but before we get started, uh, just want to go over a couple things. So the website of the Sample Hour is going to be going over some changes. Um, I'm going to pretty soon you'll see an email capture when you go there. If you guys are down with it, if you want to give me your email, it'd be great to communicate with you. Um, you know, my listeners, um, loyal listeners, I don't really talk to you guys at all. I know you listen, so it'd be cool to interact with you and that way. Cause I know I jump around on a lot of different subjects. Um, so it'd be cool if you guys could tell me what you like, what you dislike or whatever. So anyways, um, so look forward to that. So, um, switching over to podcast blast off. So my website now is like a beta for podcast blast off. Um, if you go to livefreefm.com, that is the radio show that I co-host with Nathan Frazier. You can take a look at that website. So if, if you're looking to start your own podcast or, you know, somebody that is going to start their own podcast, I think it's a great service. It's an all-in-one um, stop, one-stop shop. I mean, you can blog from it. You can it's can host all your social networking. Um, you have your website and host your podcast. You can see where your downloads are coming from and everything. I mean, it's it's a great service. Um, so check that out, guys. Uh, another thing, if you're into comedy. Um, we are bringing Kill Tony to Pittsburgh and Columbus. So it's a pretty cool thing. So if you go to Pittsburgh and Columbus, you can come and uh, see Kill Tony live. So it's going to be Red Band and Tony Hinchcliffe. We're bringing them in from Los Angeles. So the first day is going to be Friday. So Black Friday in Pittsburgh. Those tickets are selling out quickly. So people in Pittsburgh... Apparently, huge Death Squad fans. We've already sold a bunch of tickets there. So definitely go, um, if you go to um, shopsquad.squarespace.com forward slash live, or if you just click on a link, there will be a link on my website for the comedy show. Um, click on the link and you guys can get tickets. Or the way we're doing it is if you pre-order, um, the first show is the podcast. It starts at 8. If you just want to go to the podcast, it's 10 bucks. If you want to go to just to the comedy show, it's 15 If you want to go to both for pre-order only, we have a special to where you'll save $5. And you can get both the Pittsburgh. I mean, you can get both the, um, the live podcast and comedy show tickets. 
Um, and then on Sunday, the 29th, um, so it's going to be Sunday at the Woodlands Tavern. And I'm sorry, the Pittsburgh show is actually at the Arcade Comedy Theater. But uh, Sunday at the Woodlands Tavern, the show starts at 7. So come check it out. We're going to be seating at 6.30. And I think doors open at 6.30 on uh, Sunday and 7.30 on Friday. So I believe that is all. Um, oh, last thing. Well, actually, we talked about it on the podcast, so I'm not going to bring it up now. I don't want to just blast you guys with everything that I have going on. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. This is Luke Miller Callahan. Follow him on Instagram. It's at Run with Luke. Check out um, all this cool stuff. We talk about all the links and, and all the cool stuff he's doing in the podcast. So, guys, thanks for listening again. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And I will talk to you soon. I'm trying to be, we need to be, I'm trying to be, now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. Today's guest I'm very excited about, I say that with every guest, um, but this guest in particular, I recently Came across his work from our mutual friend, Curtis Stone. And as you know, I've recently become an affiliate and student of ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. Or, the yeah, ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. Am I messing that up, Luke, already? What's wrong with me? It's like, hey, you're nailing it. You're money. Nailing it. Nailing it. Money. Um, heard him on Permaculture Voices. Um, had some great interviews with Diego. Listened to his Permaculture Voices talk. Um, so I'm on the webinar and definitely a, a sharp, sharp individual. Um, he is the owner and one of the operators of Seedwise.com, which is a great site for pretty much basically, it, it's kind of like the, as you described it, the Etsy for people who sell and produce their own seeds and harvest their own seeds. Uh, he also has local local business, it's localbusiness.com, Correct. Um, local business plans yeah. local business plans.com um he was at one point the owner and operator of nightlifefarms.com he was also the f- former host of socio socio capitalist wasn't that the name of the podcast socio capitalist or did i butcher that's it, it. Uh, that's it man i think i'm butchering it i'm just nailing it every time uh which is now <laughs> which is now grow action um and uh, growaction.com, so you can still check out a lot of Luke's old work over there. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Noah other than Luke Miller Callahan. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, excellent, excellent. That's awesome, man. Um, so yeah, so just for my listeners and also for me, um, I know that just from, from listening before, so you know, you, you went and I know you got your bachelor's degree. And what did you what did you get your bachelor's degree in initially? Yeah, I got my bachelor's in construction management. Okay, so you went from construction management, and I guess what kind of got you on the path? Because now you've done um, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff with uh, sustainable agriculture. Um, you're still continuing to do some really cool stuff. So, like, what kind of got you in that direction? Like, did you? Were you, did you get out of college and was just like, man, what am I going to do with this degree? Or 
what did I just spend all this money on because I, I don't really want to do this anymore? Or what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd, I'd say it's been pretty serendipitous. Um, I've always liked working with my hands from a very young age, kind of working with small engines, putting them on bicycles, taking them apart, doing whatever, kind of hacking things together. I've always been kind of a hacker, I guess. Um, so anyways, went to undergrad, started in engineering, um, industrial engineering, came out in construction management, like the project management problem solving kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, I worked for myself as a, uh, basically as a contractor doing odd jobs, whether it was like, uh, it could have been anything, whether building out a basement or even as something as simple as building a deck, um, did that for a little while. And then was kind of in this spot where I thought about getting, uh, yeah, I signed on to get a, a career job. So I, uh, basically with a general contractor in near San Francisco. And I was all, I was all ready to do that. But actually six months prior, somebody had said, Hey Luke, you know, Oh, actually, wait, let's see. I guess step back a bit. While I was in school, I did a co-op with a general contractor working as a project engineer for them. And, and they, they offered a $1,000 bonus if you got lead certified or lead AP. So that's basically like the green building, um, certification, so I crammed for a weekend and passed it. And in that process, uh, I really got interested in all the sustainable systems. And so, um, <clears throat> so anyways, I was talking with somebody and they said, you know, Luke, there's a, uh, there's a free master's of sustainability that's f- for a year in Sweden. And then he, you know, he told me that and I kind of thought about it and forgot about it. And then six months later, or I remembered it. I Googled it. I think I applied to the first thing that came up and then again, forgot about it. Then I got, you know, this job offer six, another six months later, uh, cause I wanted, you know, kind of some career structure, more cash, you know, being a young man, it's good to have some cash. And, uh, and anyways, I was all, I was talking with the, the owner of that construction company and he, he was all ready for me to sign on. And I was too. And I was just checking my email and uh, hit refresh, and lo and behold, I <laughs> got this uh, message from that that uh, master's program, and uh, I saw that I was accepted, and so I just kind of right then I said, "Oh, you know what, Bill? Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I'm not going to work here. I can't do this. I'm going to do a, a school program in Sweden." And he's like, well, "What? You know, we've done the three interviews. I hired you." You, you know, you won the job. I was like, yeah, sorry. And so anyways, that took me on into Sweden, um, where, yeah, I guess I could, uh, basically I, I kept getting interested in all the sustainability geeked out, was watching all these Ted talks. Uh, I ended up doing my master's, a thesis on how to decentralize food production. So, um, basically I was looking at, okay, well, what if, what if we took all this arable land in the form of lawns in North America and it empowered people to grow food on them? Then this is from like a very naive academic academia perspective and was doing that and, um, and then started interviewing people, um, kind of concurrently. That's where I started the socio capitalist. I was really just wanting to talk to these Ted speakers and people that interested me. Um, not unlike what you're doing now, which I think is just great. Such a nice way to, build connections. Um, and anyways, yeah. And anyways, I, uh, t- I talked to one guy and I was telling him about my research. I interviewed one guy, James Kalen, and he said, Oh, well, 
you know, your theory or whatever is, is great. And there's actually somebody doing it. And so he introduced me to Curtis Stone and then he and I became friends and I could go on with the story of where I am today if you want. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think it's great because, um, you guys became friends. So because you were living, cause you're, you're from the, you're in the West, you guys are both on the West coast, but you're in the States. He's in Canada. So so when you were introduced to him, did you just say like, man, I got to get up there and meet this guy and see what he's doing? Well, no, it's funny actually, because, um, you know, I interviewed him and it's funny if you look at the, the, it's called the socio-capitalist and I interview green Curtis stone and green city acres. Like that's literally the first time we, we met and now he and I are just like best friends or just great friends. And, uh, and anyways, yeah, I was just really into what he, the work he was doing. And I went on to do like another hundred interviews. But when I got out of the program in June, I had probably interviewed him in March or something. Uh, I moved, I ended up moving to Portland, Oregon. And that fall I proposed to him. I was actually at the, the following spring. I proposed to him to do this, basically um, the beginning version of this profitable urban farming course. But it was under that grow action brand. And the premise was that if Curtis could teach me to start a small urban farm, then we could teach you. And so um, <laughs> it was a pretty silly proposition, classic no planning. And uh, I think the whole idea was week one, I would get land. Week two, I would plant some vegetables. Week three, I would, you know, go on and go on. And, and, and we, it was like a outline to be a 10 or 20 week deal. And so week one comes around, um, we put up this page and all these people got into it. I think 2000 people signed up and we're like, holy cow, I guess this is actually happening. Um, <laughs> and so, so we're like, all right, let's find me some land. And so I biked all around Portland taking photos. Like, what do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? And he's like, yeah, these are all great. Do it. And so I contacted the landowners of all of them and they were all like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but you can't use my land. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, Oh, shoot, I'm supposed to have land today and put vegetables in the ground like next week. And I was like, Kurt, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get some land like this quick. Like if I had a little more lead time, if we had actually, <laughs> if I had actually planned this thing, it would have been okay. And he's like, well, you should check out microgreens because you can actually grow them indoors and, um, and maybe that'll work for you. So, so I like Googled microgreens and bought this book and went off to the hardware store and <clears throat> Bought some seeds, some soil, some trays. I think not even a light yet because it. Um, I didn't even know. <laughs> and, so I, and then so I, I ran home and, and I planted my first crop of microgreens. I, I guess you have a photo of it. It's classic. It's just a, this awful crop, not densely seeded. Um, the stems are all leggy. Um, and, uh, and, and the best part is I, I watered it. I didn't have anything to water it with. If I recall, I had this big, like a beer pitcher, and then I had like a spaghetti strainer. So I poured the the water through the spaghetti strainer and and <laughs> watered the soil. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I think I had tried to grow on weed maybe once or twice in <laughs> in high school, and that's like the extent of my green thumb. That's funny. So man. so yeah, then we just kind of ran with it. Um, so where did so where did you like not to get off? So when you were doing the podcast, you were still in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. So okay. yeah, I was in this spot where I was like doing the academia thing, and actually, when I when I went to undergrad or finished undergrad, I kind of swore off traditional academia just because it's so isolated, blah blah blah. But free masters of Sweden for one year—I mean, I couldn't turn that down. So yeah. So, anyways, man. while I was there, 
I was thinking, well, it sure would be nice to uh, to talk to all these people who are actually doing something. So I figured a lot of people won't want to talk to me unless I've got some street cred. So I wrapped it up into a podcast, and the first the first one was pretty funny. I interviewed my um, my roommate, <laughs> and so we did a Skype interview, and he was sitting in his room, I was sitting in mine, and, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, that that's was funny. funny, man. No, that's awesome though. Like I I didn't realize. Um, you, you kind of was, were doing what I was doing. Yeah. I think podcasting, man, that's been, um, I don't even know why I had started mine. I just knew I'd wanted to start one cause I was like a big fan of, of Rogan's podcast. And, mm-hmm. um, and then like it kind of evolved, like originally, like it was just with comics and everything. And then it's just kind of been like me following my interests. But you know, I, I'd had this, one of my first episodes with, was with my partner, Joel, who because it was like i was still trying to figure out what i was doing and uh and he was talking about man there's this guy uh in wisconsin he's he's growing all this old all this food he uses ex-nba player which he was talking about um you know growing will allen. yeah with will allen and we we talked about that quite a bit and then him and i hadn't talked to each other we like we hadn't seen each other i, I don't think we saw each other for like the next two years and then i was getting ready to move um in this house because like i i was unemployed when i started my podcast so i was trying to save money so there was like three of us living in this little condo and we all moved to this other condo and then i'd gotten a job and was like you know saving money and i found this this cheap home that my buddy had bought and the rent was going to be dirt cheap here so i was and it's like in a not too it's not i mean a lot of people don't live here but it's not too bad of an area and we were just like, man, why don't we have a garden? And I was like, you know, man, I've been wanting to like turn my whole yard into a garden. And then my friend Joel, I was going to hit him up. And then he hits me up and it's like, hey, I'm going to get serious about the farmer's market this year. Do you want to get involved? And I was like, yeah, man, I was just about to call you. And then um, so then from there, it was just like that. That just kind of became my passion. And then he was like, you know, you need to read uh, Jean-Martin Forti's book and um then he just started he told me about curtis and then um i i just really started kind of getting into permaculture and everything and it's like just kind of been a, a full circle and it's it's interesting like what you said like when you do have a podcast or or something like that it gives people a reason to talk to you versus because otherwise it's really hard just to say hey can i pick your brain for an hour on the phone which uh curtis has said he he was able to do that with some people but i think that's um i think that's awesome um so and to kind of you know get back on on track here because I have you on the podcast to talk about you not necessarily me. But, no, no, uh, <laughs> no. But I mean, real quick, like honestly, I think that like me doing that podcast was one of the coolest things for me, just because I got to meet all these people and I got to just sit there and ask them questions and like I'm gonna start a podcast again soon just because how fun it is to be like, yeah. all right, what what's your life like? Tell me. <laughs> you have license to ask all these. Or whatever question you come up with, I mean, it's such a sweet deal. Yeah, and it's in a casual setting because it's, you know, people like hearing conversations. And it's it's like a weird thing because, you know, a lot of times, even like f- for me with a podcast, what's been weird is because like, it's like, hey, let's talk for an hour. And then it's just like, how when do you, outside of a podcast, talk to somebody just for an hour? And like for me at the time, starting like now that it happens quite a bit because it's like I rediscovered the art of conversation but i think it's like one thing that's been really good for me is it's it's just like it i don't know if you experienced it but it was kind of like therapeutic in the same sense too because it's like 
for me, it's really helped me regain a lot of confidence. It's really helped me like realize, man, I could do stuff. Like it's not hard to do, which, and that's, and I think too, like that's, that's like something that I know you're really all about too, is just, just go out and do stuff. Um, oh, no doubt, man. I think it's the classic, you know, you are the product of, of the five people you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with, you know, people who are taking action and, you know, really making a world for themselves, um, you can't help but follow suit. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent true. Um, so, so getting back, to, okay. So you, so you get done with a program. Um, you, Curtis is one of your guests and when, how long did, were you in Sweden for that program? Were you in there just for a couple of years? No, man, I was only there August to June, oh, and then wow. I moved to Edinburgh, Scotland to play some rugby, and then I came back in the fall, so I was only out there for four months and came back in the fall, and just yeah. on a whim, decided to move up to Portland, and, uh, and where, yeah. where were you originally from? Davis, California, so just uh, right between Lake Tahoe and San Francisco in the valley right there. That's awesome. So, so okay, so... You move to Portland, you can't find land, you start growing microgreens in your basement, um, yeah. using using a spaghetti strainer with a beer pitcher. Uh, what, so, okay, so you, you do that first grow, then how how long did it take you to start getting it, really getting it kind of rolling? Because for anybody that, that's not listening, because eventually you got to the point, actually it sounded like pretty quickly that you got to the point where you were making about two grand a week with restaurants. Um, and we'll get to that. Um, so, so what was the next step for you? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was just, uh, just hustle, I guess. So anyways, that first crop sucked and I was like, man, that's, that's not going to work. And so, so I, but I realized that, you know, it wasn't that far off from working. I mean, microgreens are ridiculously simple to grow. And just as a little background on microgreens, it's like, uh, Basically, it's the veal of vegetables is what I like to say. <laughs> uh, but basically, what you're doing is you're taking a bunch of seeds, primarily like sunflower, radish, peas, and you're planting them in soil and eat, they're growing for about mm, 10 days and then you're just harvesting them. So you're just cutting them off right at the base and then that's your crop. And so because they're so small, you have to seed them very densely to get you know, a measurable crop. And on top of that, you sell them by the ounce um, to restaurants and farmers markets primarily. So anyways, you know, this was all brand new to me. I'd, I'd never heard of microgreens before. I planted these seeds and thought it was silly. And, um, but then I realized, you know, why they grew, why it was such a bad crop. And it was primarily because the light was too far away. Like, it, you know, I, I had them growing on a bench in my basement, like about waist height. And then the, the shop light was about ceiling height. Just And all you need to grow them is a T8 fluorescent shop light. Um, so anyways, they grew up really leggy because they were trying to reach for the light. And then I obviously didn't use enough seed um, because you have to really, really dent them heavily. So the next, I grew another crop after that, way more seeds per you know tray and brought the light down to within... 10 inches and lo and behold I actually had a pretty legitimate crop and so it's like well I guess I gotta actually go and try and sell this so um so I came up with this idea to what did I do I went to the farmer's market or not the I went to like the Whole Foods and I took a 
it took a, a you know a package of microgreens that somebody else was selling and uh, I took those I might have bought four packages or something and I, I brought them home and I took out the other microgreens and I, I put mine in there and I <laughs> slapped, slapped a label on it uh, that like it was just like a Avery label that you put on and I, I probably wrote like sunflower shoots by Luke or something silly and uh, <clears throat> and so I had four packages of of uh, maybe five, I don't remember exactly, of microgreens that I could sell. And I was like, okay, well, this is the scary part because now I actually have to show up to a restaurant and try and see if they actually want these things. So I like hopped on my bike and biked downtown. And, uh, you know, I was terrified actually because I, I didn't know anything about the restaurant scene. And yeah, but um, but we were doing this course and I was like, okay, well, if Curtis can teach me and I we can do this. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. So we went out there and, you know, I went to, I went to like a restaurant, showed up, talked to the chef, um, and he was actually a pretty nice guy. But uh, you know, he, he said, "No, I don't, I don't want those." And, and then I went went to another restaurant and kind of same deal. And then I went to another one and same deal. And so at this point, I was like, "Man, this sucks. <laughs> 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 like, what am I doing here?" Um, it was really questioning like, man, this course is going to suck. This, <laughs> I was just bummed. Um, but anyways, I went to this last restaurant and, uh, this place called B sauce in Portland and this rad, rad chef named Sheffy, um, was like, he, he, he liked them. He's like, Oh, these are great. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they're awesome. I'll, I'll take an order. And I was like, so stunned. I just, just kind of sat there and he was like, yeah, I'll put in an order. And, uh, and so I was like, okay. And so he's like, um, he's like, uh, what are your prices? I told him, and uh, it was there. I think they were like three bucks an ounce, uh, so that's like fifty bucks a pound. And um, he's like, okay, well, I'll take five pounds. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. And he's like, when can you have them? And I was like, oh, geez, uh, uh, three weeks. <laughs> so he's like, all right, we'll see you in three weeks. And so at this point, you know, I'd grown a total of like. Mm, four ounces and yeah. i'm thinking like how am i going to produce five pounds in four weeks in three weeks so i like biked home ordered a bunch of seeds and then i built this um this this big uh grow unit because again it's it's really simple it's just a tray of soil with seeds in it some water and then put the light eight inches away yeah i like to build stuff so so i built this grow unit that had, had a basically what was it it was either four or five sheets of plywood um like basically like a big bunk bed so each sheet of plywood was one level so i could put uh 16 trays on each level and then there was a light 10 inches above and then the next level up would have another piece of plywood and so i I think it was four four levels so out of the whole thing i could get 64 trays going so pretty soon and then you know if you're doing it right you'll yield about a pound per tray so so anyways, I was like, well, um, I, I should be able to scale up. So, so I got a bunch in production. I went and made that delivery, made the five pounds because of this thing. And just by the skin of my teeth, I mean, I was, I barely made it. Out. And, uh, <laughs> anyways, made it happen. And then, um, and then, yeah, I just had that scaled up production. So I just went out, I just hustled, man. I went out, I made a map of all the restaurants in Portland and, uh, and like had pins in them of like places I'd gone. And I just made it, made it my, my rule that I would go into every restaurant and see if they wanted these things. 
And if they did, then I'd, you know, get the sale. And if they didn't, then I'd like, you know, put an X on the map and yeah. So I hustled and pretty soon. And I was, and I think at that point I was like, it was like March or April. And so I, I was too late to get into any farmer's markets because there's a bunch. Um, there's like there's eight great markets in Portland, if not more. And But I was too late to get into any of them. Well, I probably could have gotten into some. I just didn't know it. So I thought it was too late. Um, and so I just, had, I just hustled and uh, got a lot of restaurant clients. And yeah, pretty soon I was making some, some good cash. Uh, I peaked... Yeah, over two grand a week. Um, I mean, that, and that's, I think it's important to understand that Portland is like probably one of the best markets for microgreens because, I mean, it's just so, such a diverse um, gastronomical food scene. So everybody's into it. And, but with that said, uh, microgreens are a pretty easy way to get in with a restaurant. And uh, yeah, yeah. So just built nightlight farms from there. And then the next year, Got a graduated out of the basement and got a shipping container and built that all out and uh, yeah. When, yeah what pretty, made you choose to get a shipping container? Because that that looks super cool. Was it more of like a it's going to be a cool marketing thing or it was like an opportunity presented itself? Total serendipity, man. Um, let's see. I I was looking for a place and I came across this awesome place in Portland. It's called Green Anchors and. Uh, and it's a seven acre industrial site that used to be like a shipyard. And then these rad dudes, these two cousins, um, got control of it. They got the lease from the guy who owns it. And then they made it like this, um, eco business park. So one dude was a, uh, was, is a, is still there is a, um, <clears throat> a metal fabricator. And he's got two shipping containers with a roof between them. And he's the kind of guy who could like, mad max anything together like one time there was a cedar log floating down the willamette and there was a, we had they had a these guys had a tugboat so kevin hopped in the tugboat wrangled up that cedar log brought it ashore got it up on some uh saw horses and pretty soon he just just made his own chainsaw mill and then just started milling up these big slabs of cedar, making these live edge tables. I mean, the guy's a master. Uh, and then there was a guy who had a solar business. Uh, another guy who was a boat builder, a gal doing mushrooms in like a um, truck trailer. I mean, the deal with all the places is that they had to be uh, in permanent so that, you know, to comply with the lease. Um, and so anyways, long story short, there was the shipping container already there um, that was going to be used for this aquaponics project. And then, and so I was thinking that I was going to get one of those refrigerated truck trailers. Like I already had, I had one lined up. Um, and, and this is all like in a matter of weeks when I decided to, to pull the trigger. And so I had one lined up and then for whatever reason, right at the end that, that um, aquaponics nonprofit fell through. And so, you know, I said, Oh, I, Notice that, you know, <clears throat> you don't need the shipping container anymore. Do you want me to use it? And the woman who owned it was like, yeah, why don't you you use it? So, yeah, that worked out pretty well and built out that shipping container. And, um, yeah, it's a nice nice little grow up in this industrial Mad Max part of uh, Portland, <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> That's really awesome that they repurposed. Um, it's cool to see like old things repurposed. Like in the Midwest, we have like a bunch of old abandoned factories. And I just had my friend, um, he's a blogger on uh, Charles Hugh Smith, and we were talking about 
the possibility of them being repurposed for for kind of like onshoring micro like kind of micro manufacturing like with 3d printers and you know because you're still going to have some pieces and parts that that people could use and um i don't know it was just kind of us us daydreaming but i think that's i, I think it's my friend uh my one comic friend dean del rey he was saying how it's it's like the reason why we need hipsters is because they like cool shit and they come with these cool ideas <laughs> just like that and it's and it's so true man and it's because columbus is pretty similar like columbus um it's a good foodie scene like i'm as a, that was part of the reason why why joel and i decided we wanted to, to get involved and start doing it and um and there's a there's a sorry man my freaking cat was trying to walk on my laptop there <laughs> and uh um and and so it's it's a similar thing. We don't have a lot of old industry or anything like that. Um, but um, you know it, it, that's it's definitely really cool. So so okay. So you have this this shipping container. Um, you get production going. How much? How many pounds of microgreens at uh, the peak were you producing a week? Yeah, um, probably like around a hundred. Um, yeah, I'd say around a hundred, maybe a little more. Maybe like, I mean, I had capacity for 150 trays, so pound a tray. I don't think I ever hit 150 pounds of production a week, but maybe around there. Um, yeah. But some of them were more were higher end ones that like the herbs and the like basil, cilantro, chervil, popcorn shoots, shiso for Japanese restaurants. I mean, the whole my whole deal was specialty microgreens. But with that said. I had this whole grandiose idea to uh, to really scale it up and go, get into seven farmers markets and uh, in that for, in that season and that was pretty silly. I think pretty quick um, scaled it down to three and then we had three solid markets and then a bunch of restaurants and uh, yeah 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 it was a pretty good deal. So okay, so what ultimately because you you actually sold the business. So, yeah. So now how did that come about? Like what made you? want to walk away and um how how did you go about that yeah man that's a good question i um well basically i was when i first started the business i um met this incredible girl who was just moving about an hour east of portland and um so we yeah we hit it off and uh, i pretty much just fell for her instantly <laughs> and uh and so anyways, we did the long distance thing for a couple of years. And, and finally, at some point, um, I was like, you know, this long distance thing is okay, but I'd really like to, to nurture a relationship. And, and so um, I was kind of at this point where I was either – this one guy I was buying seeds from um, was actually – he's actually a producer of seeds and selling them on just a massive scale to this one fellow in Japan – and this guy, this guy in Japan has a microgreens outfit where he's got seven, either two or three acre greenhouses. So seven, say two acre greenhouses across Japan, all hydroponic, all just cranking pea shoots. And this guy is basically the supplier of his seeds. And so when I randomly showed up at his door one day looking for a better source of seeds, you know, he and I became friends and he's like the classic industrialist um, capitalist. And he kind of just said, you know, Luke, never stop growing. And I kind of had this funny, like, uh, Ayn Rand moment. Um, and I, you know, 
in a lot of ways, so I really believe in small business and I, I don't necessarily believe in these large scale enterprises, um, primarily because of issues with control and so on and so forth. But with that said, I really do believe in business and I know it, it can work well in all different sizes. So, so long story short, like I was at this point of either, um, I was pretty much maxed out capacity of that shipping container and was either at the point of wanting to raise some capital, probably 150 grand to build kind of like a two acre hydroponic greenhouse and really crank these microgreens and, um, get into all the whole foods, new seasons, all the restaurants or selling the business to one of the gals, um, who worked for me and she wanted to start a farm for a long time. And then I could go move out and be with my lady, um, at where I live now here in the gorge, the Columbia river gorge. Um, so, you know, I chose the latter and, uh, I sold, sold the business to Sarah and she's cranking it. She actually moved it to a place towards the coast. She, I went east, she went west, but uh, about a year later, two years later. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. And it's also, you know, I was 29 now and I was younger and I don't know. I think it, it kind of like this quintessential masculine desire for freedom, for new things. Looking back, I think it would have been pretty fun to build out that greenhouse and just scale it. Um, for me, I think what's in, what I really enjoy about anything is, is learning and learning a lot. And the way to learn a lot is when you don't know much about something. And so as you become kind of an expert in something, you have a desire to get into the next thing. And I think that's, you know, a good trait for learning quickly, but it's not a good trait for building things that are going to last a long time. So, yeah. Yo, yo man, that makes, so you're only 29 now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, man. We're like the same age. Uh, hmm. We're young, young bucks. I'm 30. I'm 30. I, <laughs> I hit that point where I was like, man, I got to get serious about my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's that? I said, I'm still waiting to get there. Yeah. Um, so you still with the lady now? That's my question. Uh, first that's off. funny. We just broke up like a couple weeks ago. Gotcha, man. Well, my, <laughs> my, uh, you know, my, my, my condolences for the loss of the, the love, but, um, but here's the cool thing. So, I mean, I think, you know, one thing I think why, you know, why I was really looking forward to talking to you and, and everything is cause we, we really kind of share this entrepreneurial spirit because it's not, it, it, what, like you sold the business and, and also I, how many employees did you have working for you at, at, at that one point? Like what did, what did you max out with that firm? Oh, well, they weren't full time, but there was like, there's a cast of five and you know, cause the thing with microgreens is it really doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. It's like, you know, you plant them, that takes a couple hours. Then you water them every day. That takes all of three and a half minutes. And then you harvest and the harvest is when I would bring the crew on. And that's when. Folks would show up at nine and eh, about four or five people. Four was just about right. I mean, a shipping container is like standing in a hallway, so you don't have a lot of room. Um, and we would just crank harvest. I mean, I would I would uh, be the guy with the knife, and I would I would harvest all these clear cut all these uh, young microgreens, and then one person would um, kind of do the initial. Well, one person would dry them. Next person would. Um, put the initial kind of rough weight in the bag and the final person would bag them like the final weight with the scale. And so, you know, we could crank a hundred pounds and it'd be sweeping up by 11 AM. So we had a pretty good system dialed. 
and then um, and then a couple of those folks would do the farmers markets as well. So so yeah, we had a pretty pretty sweet crew. Pretty fortunate to have good good folks. That's pretty cool. Um, and then so okay so 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 moving forward, so you sell your business, you get with a lady, you guys go together to live happily ever after. <laughs> what do you so what do you do next you have this capital I'm, I'm guessing you had this nice little this little chunk of capital you're sitting on and you know I'm, I'm sure you could live off that for a little bit um so you know how quick did you get bored and how quick were you like okay i need to to start doing something else because i know for me personally man i don't and i and i'm pretty sure you're the same way and i realize like if i sit still i just kind of get depressed and i like i feel like i'm not living what i'm i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing and so you know when did you when did you start getting into your next venture oh like immediately i mean well right after that i i just wrote the really simple guide the complete guide to growing and and selling microgreens so i wrote that and um that took i don't know that might have taken two months Uh, yeah six weeks two months um of just like just cranking every day And, and then and then um, I, I tried a really funny um, <laughs> idea. You'll get a kick out of this. <laughs> um, this is totally unrelated, but it's funny to share it. Um, okay, so how did this work? So this was like some mass – so <laughs> talk about scale. This was some mass uh, scheme idea that um, – so <laughs> I probably shouldn't even say this, but whatever. <laughs> um I had this idea. Okay, so people on YouTube, right? Like they get <laughs> they they post videos, people watch them and then they get cash for the ads that display. It's a Absolutely. really simple deal. So <laughs> so I had this idea of translating um articles from Wikipedia into audio and then putting that into a video and uploading it to YouTube and then monetizing it. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this turn out? So uh, how did this go? So I did it, and I like up, I did it manually. Like I figured out some stuff, and I uploaded a hundred, and you know, after a week, like maybe it got three plays total or something. I don't know. Maybe it got ten. But anyways, it worked. Kind of worked. And so I paid somebody to write this script to basically scrape all of the articles off of Wikipedia. So I had this crazy, uh, these crazy files full of all, every single article on Wikipedia, or maybe not all of them, but I like millions of them to start with. And then, I, and then that same person wrote this script to then using like an Amazon EC2 instance to basically process all that text into audio. So then I had all these audio files and then this other script to mass upload them to, to YouTube. So I'm talking like, shit, what, what was the first one? Might have been like either 10,000 or 100,000. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I wonder if this is going to work. And so, so I did it. And, uh, and, it, and then like two weeks, well, a week later, it like, I think it was like 10,000 articles. I think a week later, it made 80 bucks. And I was like, Oh my God, like this works. Like not only is this going to make $80 a week, but I can like more kind of add infinitum, upload these Wikipedia articles. So, like, if, like I had like millions that I could upload and this is only 10,000 generated $80. So anyways, I like scaled it way up. 
like I, I probably did a ten times. So I did a hundred thousand, and then and then YouTube just instantly shut me down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Freaking YouTube, man! Why did they uh, shut you that, down? Oh, I don't know, because they didn't think it was quality content, which is fair. Um, I think if you legitimately had somebody speaking the articles, because all the articles are open source, like you, yeah. my had this idea and this is silly to go to like <laughs> basically just have some like beautiful women speaking the articles and then um and then people would love to watch you know people would watch it and then <laughs> but that that would probably take some capital but for anybody out there you, you could probably make a business model out of that so if you if you if you make millions buy me a beer sometime <laughs> you can have that idea so so you're so youtube shut down your youtube business of that. So then the next step was, was, was what? Did, when did you start doing um, Seedwise? Yeah, that, right after that. Like, okay, let's do something that's actually meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still fun, though. I think, um, I mean, that's the cool thing about my show. Like, I, I do focus a lot about, um, like, really about sustainable ag right now and permaculture and, um, you know, micro farming. But I think, um, you know, mainly just entrepreneurship, man. I and mean, that's what, that's what the world needs. I mean, that's what, um, cause like I have, yeah. I mean, we do comedy show promotions and, um, we have a, we have a comedy club that we just opened in Toronto, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, I think I want my listeners to, to hear people like their failures and their, their YouTube schemes and whatever. Cause I think like, like something that, I mean, and it's something that I've heard you say is like, just, just, just do it. Like just, you get an idea just do it and you know i mean nine out of ten businesses that start fail it doesn't matter because you're going to continue to learn you're going to continue to take lessons from those failures and then you're just going to continue just doing it and eventually you're going to get it and then you'll get another business and i think that's that's kind of the whole the whole idea right is like i don't know for you but for me it's you know develop figure out ways to get businesses and develop you know multiple streams of income um, so, um, you know, sorry to get on that soapbox there, but no, I just... no, no, I, man, I agree. And I think it's, it's fun. Like at the root of it, business is just problem solving. So you're just trying to deliver value to people who don't currently have, have a need met. So like personally, I was pretty stoked on the Wikipedia thing because I'm just, I don't like to read that much, but I love to listen to things. So yeah. if I had like these things that I could just listen to, then I figured it'd be good. But, you know, folks at YouTube didn't agree. So what? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a, a good, you probably have already heard, have you heard of Voice Dream? It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's an app that will read you PDFs. And you can, get, ah. you can get different voices that will sound less robotic. Like, I think I paid like... Like the British woman or the <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I think I, I paid for, I think it is a chick... But it like you can get American, Australian accents, British accents. I <laughs> think I, Australian accents. <laughs> yeah, and I think I paid ten bucks for my voice, but it actually for the voice I listen to. But it's actually great because especially you know if you're working outside on the, in the farm or anything, and you want to listen to like a PDF, so you could even put in your PDF for your microgreens book. So if somebody yeah. wanted to listen to it, they could. Um, because I think you know we're always on the go like we're a more on the go culture so i think that's why you know audible's really kind of exploded um but uh, not to de derail you so you're really into listening to stuff that's why you did the wikipedia um then you started Seedwise. so how did you so what made you kind of come up with that idea yeah and i think that that's again like um problem solving um 
Excuse me. You're fine. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So in the process of doing the microgreens, I was constantly on the hunt for, um, for a better source of seeds, you know? And, yeah. you know, like where my ethic is, is very much in a small scale producer. Um, I really believe in decentralizing every industry there is. I mean, you, I mean, I think that that's where we are, um, in our society right now in this beautiful phase of decentralization. I mean, look at like the, the microbrewery movement, um, taking, yeah. you know, market share from Anheuser-Busch, the big guys, um, and saying, with like Airbnb pop, everybody can be a producer of a of hospitality instead of having to go to a big hotel. You can stay in somebody's house. I mean, it's sweet. It's decentralized. It's way more resilient. And that's how I believe our economy should be. It shouldn't be like these sole food producers that feed the world. It should be a bunch of small folks knitting together this fabric of local food. Um, so, anyways, a big part of local food, uh, local is local food is actually local plant propagation or aka seed production and nursery production um and so anyways you know knowing this fellow a really good guy um but growing these growing and selling seeds oh i never even uh, i guess i didn't say it but that guy is basically selling um 50 shipping containers full of seeds to that one guy in japan like 50 shipping containers full of seed to one guy like just on the scale is ridiculous and so yeah. um, so i was just really thinking man like this decentralized producer of seed like wouldn't it be cool to um see the small scale producers really celebrated and their story told and and there's like the you know everybody says oh we're losing all these varieties of apples or we're losing all these varieties of vegetables and it's true we are um and the people you know and, and the reason we are is because there's fewer and fewer producers and so it's just not the incentive grow fewer and fewer and just focus on the ones that are most profitable for you. And that's what's happening. And so anyways, I was thinking like, well, well, how can we celebrate and empower the people who are growing the small scale producers? You know, what, what, what's their product? And uh, for whatever reason, I think it's just kind of the disposition of, uh, of why these folks are attracted to growing seed or plant products propagation or farming, um, isolated, they're a bit more isolated. They're not into marketing, right? So they, yeah. they can grow the seeds beautifully, but they can't actually, oftentimes they have troubles getting it to market, selling it to market. And so their other option is selling it to a wholesaler, like one of your classic Johnny seed catalog, whoever. But the trouble is, is the markup's just ridiculous. Like if they sell, say they sell $10 worth of seed, or say they sell a dollar worth of seed, it'll get marked up on average. 23 times so that seed catalog will turn around and sell it for 23 times as much as it's worth um and so they're making a frat they're making five percent of retail oftentimes and so uh it's just brutal for them to actually make a living so of course the way to get around that is if they can sell direct to the customer and that's where seedwise comes in so seedwise is very much a um a seed catalog and consumers can buy their seeds and you know hit check out their seeds come in the mail but the only difference is that we don't touch the seeds so they come directly from the producer we take a very small cut seven percent and that way instead of the consumer the producer um making five percent on every sale five percent out of the deal they make 93 percent and so um they can actually make a way better living and we do the work of getting the customers for them so 
so yeah so and, and then the whole yeah the whole point of seedwise is that you can go there as the consumer and buy any seed or plant you're looking for um directly from the producer now that's awesome man i mean i think that's uh it's a great model i was checking out the site before i got you on and i think um you know i, I definitely think that you know it, it's needed and it, the interesting thing too about how it really is kind of like an, an Etsy for, you know, people that grow seed. But it's it's solving the same problem that, that the, I mean, I guess that we pretty much said that when I said it's like a an Etsy account for people that sell seeds. But I think it's, it's interesting because I, I don't think that people realize that, you know, a lot of people that grow plants really are artists in this sense. Like they don't really necessarily yeah. get credit for it. So they actually have a lot of characteristics that artists have, which is, you know, not necessarily good at marketing, not really good at promoting themselves, um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. And I think that it's definitely needed. Um, so, so okay, so you, you get Seedwise off the ground, um, you know, you get that site going, you get you get some people to put their, their products on there. So then, so then when did you and Curtis decide to revisit you know, you know what what you had started with. You know, local with the with the course, which is how Nightlight Farms came about. Like, when were you and Curtis? When did you guys decide? All right, let's let's do this online course. Um, was that already a plan you guys had talked about, and now you just started focusing on it more, or how did it how did it come into um, fruition? Yeah, that's a good a good question. Um, let's see. I was cranking with Seedwise, and you know, building that out, and then. Um, I think what happened is the microgreens book started selling really well. Um, people were starting to have a lot of successes and sending me photos of them starting their own business and telling me about their first sales and all that. And I just really act. It was cool. I was like, wow, this is so cool to have a hand in actually helping somebody start their own business. Like how empowering. Um, I mean, that's awesome. If I could help somebody like find freedom for themselves, um, I'm stoked. And so you know, I really, I really, um, you know, I believe in the big picture of decentralization and all that. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just so, I, it's like, feels like family. It's like people, other people hustling and making it happen. I'm just like right there with them, like talk to them on the phone. Like, what do you need? Like, make it happen. Um, and so, well, I, I don't know. I have a passion for really helping people start their business. And so, yeah, I mean, it feels like, it feels like something I want to, to build my career on. And so, so I, I, you know, proposed Curtis, I was like, Hey man, why don't, why don't we go through and do this course for real? Cause while I was building nightlife farms, you know, we, we didn't neglect the course, but we weren't able to finish it. Cause it was like, all my focus was on actually building a business. And, um, and, and it was like, you know, a very fraction of what we have built out with profitable urban farming now and so so anyways he and i were like he's he was cool with it and he's like yeah that'd be great um because of course he's always getting people hitting him up asking for help so um yeah so we created this step-by-step um online uh, urban farming course which is like soup to nuts did like just it's broken up into two sections which is business and productions and each each section has like 10 modules and about four modules per unit. Um, so there ends up being like 90 units. Um, and it's just the details of actually how do you. Luke. Yo. All right, here we go. So as you were yep. saying about, cause it started to kind of cut out when you were talking about um, 
the modules. So each one has about four four modules per per one. There's about ninety six units, and then it started to cut out. So if you want to continue from there, oh yeah, I, I mean the the whole goal of it is basically um, all the details, like soup to nuts, like how do you actually produce restaurant quality vegetables? How do you actually develop a sales plan? What you like down to the details of how much arugula are you going to sell to your to restaurants in week three to and how much bok choy are you going to sell in week five at farmers markets like that granular of data um and so we have that outlined step by step exactly how to produce that how to then produce the planting plan knowing exactly what to plant when to plant it which cedar to use i mean every single (laughs) every single detail the whole goal of this course is to leverage curtis's you know um, six years of experience so that you're not starting where he started. You're getting to start like where he's at now so that you're not sitting around wasting three years trying to figure everything out. You can just do this course and actually get started the right way, start making cash and start making a living um, ASAP. And that way, you know, there's like, I don't know what the stat is, but so many businesses fail within the first couple of years. And it's primarily that because they don't have all the systems figured out. So we're just trying to reduce all the friction uh, to get to get you started and that way you can actually be successful and yeah make an impact and a good living for yourself yeah absolutely and i um i've signed up for the course and i finished with the first module and now i'm at the stage where i need to contact chefs and it's i gotta get with uh the partner we got our first first microgreens batch going in my buddy joel's basement and um they're looking all right i mean we definitely um you know, we'll take some pictures and put them in the Facebook group. And, you know, something else that's really cool about it, which has been fun, is is you get to participate with all the other people that have signed up with the course. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to give this dude a shout out because he's been really, um, really just kind of since I've been in it and uh, and I signed up almost a month ago, um, John Paul. And I'll give him some love. Yeah. And like talk to him on the phone today. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and he, uh, cause he put, I felt cool because he like had these ideas for farm names, and I just I'm gonna pat myself on the back, so I, I was pretty proud of myself because he was, he's in Nashville, and he was like Music City, and he had like these awkward things afterward, and I was like, man, it's mm-hmm. a good start. I was like, man, why not, you know, Music City Acres or Music City Micro Farms? He's like, Micro Farms, I love that, and I was like, cool. And uh, so now he's like, he's got his his uh, this fresh sheet out, and actually, I think that sheet's looked like it was for him to get some land. Um, and he's yeah. and he contacted like twenty chefs or something ridiculous like that. I was reading in the old um, the old the old chat tool that you guys were using, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's just and it's just cool because you know me seeing him get after it's like, well, well, shit, man, I got to get after it too. Like I don't want to get I don't want somebody else to show me up, and not even that he's showing me up, he's just doing him. But there's kind of like that, just that feeling like you don't want to be left in the dust. And I think that that accountability and that that ability to interact with people that are, are similar to yourself, that are just really getting after it, is just a really cool um, experience. And I think it's, you know, I'm really looking forward to finishing the course. I'm really looking forward to to getting this this business going and um and one thing too man that that course is so it's just it's so well done the way you guys have done it and i think you know i talk with my friends um you know we 
you know, for anybody that hasn't read Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill talks about like a mastermind group. And, you know, I, so I, I end up joining with some friends and I, and I talk with them a lot. And like, we, we talk about, you know, how, you know, the key and kind of like today's to, to kind of really leverage technology and leverage, you know, just kind of this whole decentral decentralization phase and kind of everybody's going to be able to do it themselves with, you know, 3d printing, being able to teach themselves through the internet is, you know, you get really good at something and develop a course and, your guys's course, I mean, it it is so it's so it's so well done, and it's 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 so um and it really I mean and I think for me personally, like I think you guys could have charged like five thousand dollars for the course, and you were probably and it's still probably worth more than that just based on the knowledge and the and the way it's put together, and um I I I'm really impressed with it on that level because I I think for for me. You know, I when I think about getting good at something or trying to teach someone how to do something, and then actually, actually putting that out on the internet so it's it's helpful for somebody and it's easy for someone to use, like that had to take a lot of time to figure it out on on how you guys were going to do that. So how, you know, how exactly did you guys want to break it? Because you have it components, subcomponents. Like, how exactly did you guys go about putting that together? Yeah, good, good question. Um, yeah, it was definitely an iterative process. And uh, first of all, thanks for the kind words on it. I mean, Curtis and I definitely spent over a year uh, putting it together. So it was really rewarding to actually get it done. Um, yeah, you know, I I, um, I don't know. I, I'm Basically, my role in this is the producer of the course. And um, I... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I think just looking at it from trying to put myself in that initial perspective of when I was starting nightlight farms, the questions I had and, and just trying to approach it from like a very pragmatic level of, okay, just do this first and then do this, understand your customers, understand what products you're selling and then get into the details of actual production. And, you know, it's tricky because there's so much information to cover. Um, but and the whole goal is to actually provide a roadmap. So it's like everything you need to know when you need to know it and nothing you don't. And then, you know, faith that then the next week will give you exactly what you need to know that week um, so that you're not overwhelmed and you can just focus on what's going to what's needed to take action. Um, that's that was like the underlying principles of, of how to uh, how it, how it was shaped. Yeah. So did you pay, did you guys pay like a, a developer to develop the format and everything, or did you guys did you develop that, or um, how did you go about that on the tech end? And it, you don't have to share that if you don't want to. But I just I was kind of interested. No, that's cool. That. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I I put it together. Um, I've got a <laughs> aside from YouTube schemes, I've got some background in web and. Um, and and then I you know paid a designer to to make it look good because that's one thing I'll I'll never be able to do well and uh, yeah yeah that's pretty much how it went. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, and then so so let's let's kind of so because not only are you doing the profitable urban farming thing that's going really well, but I was looking on Facebook and <laughs> you were like, you know what, I'm moving out of my house and I'm gonna move on land and. and and uh, we, we, we changed the time a few times today. And you're like, you know what? I need to focus on getting this farm ready, this farmland ready. 
So so when did this come about? So when did you get access to this land? And um, when uh, so when did this kind of go down? Because it, it, it was a pretty quick quick thing. It seemed like. <laughs> yeah. Um, back in July, I bought twenty acres. Um, um, outside, I live here in White Salmon, Washington, about uh, an hour east of Portland, Oregon, in the Columbia River Gorge. If you've ever been out this way, you know it's just stunningly beautiful. And yeah, so anyways, I bought twenty acres, and um, uh, yeah, I wanted to build a place, and kind of hadn't really made it happen yet because I've been focused on other things, primarily this course. And um, so, anyways, I went out to to Iowa to this fellow named Grant Schultz's place where he's doing really revolutionary work, um, planting perennial polycultures, basically a big, big diverse orchard growing. He's on a hundred and either a hundred and I'm, I'm going to say 160 acres. I'm not certain exactly how many acres. Um, but you know, basically like rolling farmland in Iowa, classic, uh, corn and soybean country, you know, there's corn and soybean on all the neighboring properties, if not most, um, Anyways, he's planted it out into like cherries and uh, chestnuts and um, uh, and pawpaws and like you know, which is something I had never even heard of before. It's like this tropical fruit that grows as far north oh, as Chicago, all over Ohio, man. We got pawpaw oh. fest every year in uh, I think it's like in Athens, right where OU is, and they make like so good. Yeah, they make pawpaw beer. They make um. They make a lot of different pawpaw shit. Like it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, pawpaws are great. Anyways, keep going about Grant Schultz. Yeah, but- yeah, yes. Yeah. So I went out there for the week, um, and uh, yeah, it was just great. I mean, there were thirty folks, um, and we were just charged. It's like you show up, and it's just like instant family. You know, it's like you're you're just like this brotherhood. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, so. Anyways, show up there and just get charged and see the work he's doing. And he's just, I mean, he's just an all-star, right? And so, um, I don't know, it just kind of inspired me to to get out onto my land. Like every time I spend time out there, I'm just, it's love it. And, uh, but it's raw, right? Like it's, my, my piece of land is forested with fir and oak. Like there's no water, there's no electricity. And so anyways, I was like, well, you know, I do pretty well with constraints. So I just had this idea on the plane ride back, what, on Monday? What's to or Tuesday? I don't know. One of those days, Monday night. Um, thinking <laughs> should move out onto the land. So uh, yeah, I put in <laughs> put in thirty days notice on my house. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go, but I've got a couple of weeks to build a shelter out there and move in. So you're gonna um, Dick Prennicky it. <laughs> what's Dick Prennicky? Oh, he's uh, or is it is it Dick Prennicky, the the guy alone in the wilderness? Uh, he's got that documentary. It's I'll send you a link oh, yeah? afterward, man. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> it, check it, it out. He's in like Alaska, <laughs> and uh, Paul Wheaton and uh, his his Evan Evan the Ant. They did this pretty funny commentary about it. But Dick Prennicky, like he lived out in Alaska for like I think like forty years by himself. And he just like he had his like he built it he they he has it on video of him building his shelter and like just really just doing some some badass type work. But um yeah, I mean that's that's an option you're gonna do. You're gonna shoot for like the tiny house, you're gonna try to do like an earthship, or you got you got people helping you, or are you just building it on your own? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's one of those things where 
you know, it's funny. I was like kind of scribbling away in my journal on the plane ride back designing this shelter. And the dude next to me was like, man, what are you doing? And I told him, he was like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. Can I come help? That's awesome, <laughs> so, man. So he's going to show up tomorrow, actually. Um, some stranger so, from yeah. the plane. Yeah, yeah, he's a cool dude. He's like some traveling doctor and works 10 days and then has like a month off and he's got a sweet deal. That's um, um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I'm building like a, the, the idea is to be like, I don't know, about seven, 800 square feet, passive solar, um, metal roof, tons of glass on the south face, probably straw bale insulation on the north, um, using all poles from the land, all these dug or grand for poles and and uh, rafters and uh, maybe maybe i might sub the metal roof for an epdm pond liner uh probably not probably just be a metal roof and then and then ultimately have a greenhouse off the south face and it's kind of up on this ridge and so we'll clear some trees and we'll have a nice mountain view and yeah yeah so i was out there before this podcast uh doing my obligatory uh, chainsawing and peeling the bark off some logs and one of my buddies was out there helping me clearing this, clear the road so I can get the truck down to where it's got to go. And yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty that's, silly project. No, nah, dude, that's awesome, man. I think that's like, uh, I think that's what a lot of people aspire to be, right? Like you want to, I think like something that you're doing is something that like, you know, I mean, man, I wish I would have gotten into this stuff like five years ago. Like I think, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm in a pretty good good position myself, but I think, you know, most, a lot of people our age that think like we do are like, man, I'd love to have my own land and have my own living structure and then just homestead and be able to live off the land. I think like that's, that's my goal. I mean, that's something um, my girlfriend and I talk about. We talk about uh, wanting to do that, like wanting to, to start out in the urban and then get some money lined up, get some cash flows lined up, like have some money coming in from businesses and then just be able to go live off the land and be free and not worry about shit, man. Just enjoy your life and live, live a life of purpose. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's awesome that you're, you're right there, man. And you're not even 30 yet. So I think that's, um, I don't think it's, silly i think it's badass personally (laughs) (laughs) well i haven't built it yet so (laughs) i'm sure you'll be fine man you got that background of that um well that's awesome man well uh i tell you what um i think we can kind of wrap it up here man and maybe talk a little bit afterward if that sounds good to you um yeah okay so everybody um go to first off go to Click on the link. So go to the samplehour.com. I Luke was kind enough. Curtis and Luke were kind enough to make me an affiliate. Please go there if you're interested in the course. Go there and check it out. Um, you if you go there, you can actually sign up for the course, teach yourself something, and support the sample hour, which is which is. I hope you guys like my shows, and uh, so that'd be great. Um, just like. I mean, and, and, you know, we, we talked about it a lot during the show, but I mean, honestly, it's a great course and they're continuing to upgrade the course and everything else like that. So please guys go there and, you know, check it out or sign up if you want to, you know, have a part-time home farm business or go full-time. Um, I think even if you can take that knowledge 
and use the money you make from your farm business to pay for your mortgage. I mean, you know, I think that's it's a great option personally. So I think, you know, um, but also go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe for the sample hour. You can get in contact with Luke. How, Luke? <laughs> oh, I'd say the, the best way is uh, just shoot me an email. Um, Luke at any of the miscellaneous projects so seedwise.com is probably the shortest one easiest to remember luke at seedwise or luke at profitableurbanfarming.com and uh yeah yeah shoot me a message yeah and and uh you guys can follow luke on twitter i looked today though i don't think he's used it since 2011 no no <laughs> don't, don't follow me on twitter but i do i am on instagram at run with luke um luke so you can do that yeah, yeah. I gotta um, get on the IG, man. I'm not like I don't like I'm sleeping on it. And everybody's I mean, that's Instagram's probably one of the hottest social networking sites right now. And I don't Yeah, it's I mean it's kind of fun because you get to like share a little glimpse of what you're looking at in the day. And so you get some interesting stuff and you can go out there and I don't know. I mean I I'm a big like nature geek, so I go out and hunt mushrooms and I'm always taking pictures of weird stuff I find in the woods. I mean, that's pretty much all I take photos of, but, um, yeah, I don't know. And there's, it's cool. Cause there's a lot of other like really interesting people out there that are, and they're so accessible cause you just write a comment and you can chat it up about whatever, whatever they're doing. You just got to yeah. use the hashtags, yeah. hashtag, hashtag. Hashtags. People use yeah. like a thousand hashtags on Instagram. Hashtag this, hashtag that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, guys, check that out. Check out all of Luke's websites. Go to, um, go to, oh, we listed them earlier. So go. I oh, don't worry about it. Go to Profitable Urban Farming. <laughs> Ultimately, there, there will be a website called Academy, and that's like in the next couple of weeks. And so just as a, so people understand kind of my trajectory is, um, you know, I really want to help uh, folks scale um, farms. And so Profitable Urban Farming is, is the first and that's basically a market garden selling high value vegetables to restaurants and farmers markets. Um, but there's also a whole host of other um, small scale farm niches, whether it's um, pastured poultry, pastured pigs, beekeeping, um, even value added stuff like soap making. So I really want to produce, I want to identify people who are really doing excellently um, and create um, basically educational material courses to help other aspiring entrepreneurs find success faster. Um, and that will be all wrapped up in small farm Academy. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the not too distant future. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Um, well, everyone, thanks again for tuning into another episode and we will talk to you again soon.